From 88.9 Radio Milwaukee, I'm Jordan Lee. And I'm Piet Levy, music writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Every week we talk about music coming into Milwaukee and the music coming out of Milwaukee. This is Tapped In. Hey, Piet, how are you, my friend? Great, Jordan. How are you doing? Pretty good. Uh, getting ready, of course, now that Pride Fest is over. The Summerfest grounds are going to go quiet. They're going to get things ready for the big gig. But there's a lot of stuff going on in southeastern Wisconsin with outdoor music festivals that are not happening on the lakefront this year. Yeah, well, with outdoor shows, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the granddaddy of outdoor venues in the area is Alpine Valley Music Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was closed last year, which got a lot of attention because it was the first time in 40 years it did not have a single concert. Right. Uh, I think a lot of fans were wondering, will it ever have a concert again? That's what I thought. I thought this is the end of an era. Yeah, exactly. But it's not uh, because Alpine Valley is open again this year. And there are going to be five concerts there. um, And the first set is happening before Summerfest. So I thought we can kind of dive into what's going to be going down. Absolutely. Well, let's start in the month of June, the 22nd and the 23rd Dead and Company. Yeah, this is without a doubt one of the hottest tickets of the summer tour schedule in 2018. And we've got two nights, June 22nd and 23rd at Alpine Valley. Yeah, exactly. So Den Company is a spinoff group of uh, the Grateful Dead. Uh, it, I, I, if I was a, I'm not a huge deadhead or anything, but if I was a deadhead, I'd be a little ticked because they obviously had that Fair V Well big shows at right. Soldier Field, which were huge. And then they announced, oh, hey, many of us are going to keep going as Dead & Company. Uh, so if you you booked you know this ticket to the <laughs> goodbye show and flew all the way to Chicago, eh, we're going to keep going. <laughs> so I would have been kind of annoyed. <laughs> and we're bringing John Mayer with yeah, us. <laughs> and we're bringing John Mayer with us now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So nevertheless, uh, good for them. Good for the fans who aren't annoyed by that. Right. Because uh, Dead and Company is doing well. And and John Mayer, uh, John Mayer joining the group, I think, is a really inspired touch. So 22nd, 23rd. Now, I'm pretty surprised to see on July 7th, which is right in the middle of Summerfest, we've got Brad Paisley and Hank Williams Jr. performing that night. Yeah, this is interesting. So, you know, Alpine Valley, uh, people who've been following the venue have realized that in recent years, it's largely rested on, or I don't know if rested's the right word, but it's largely featured perennials. Uh, it's it's really become a niche uh, venue for jam band fans, Absolutely. largely. Uh, Dave Matthews' band plays there frequently. Uh, Fish, Dead & Company now is going to start playing there more often, I think. Uh, and, and this is going to be the second time around. And then you've got Zach Brown Band, uh, Jimmy Buffett, too. Yep. Um, but uh, Brad Paisley has never played the venue. So this is an interesting booking because it's a new booking for the venue. And, and it's not a venue that does a lot of new kind of stuff. And it is interesting, too, because it's happening during Summerfest. It's kind of uh, counter-programming to the weekend. Right. So, you know, there's probably not a lot of overlap there with their fan bases. If And two, Summerfest also had fewer big country shows exactly. in the amphitheater. Um, there's two, basically. And one's kind of a pop show with Florida Georgia Line and Baby Rexha. So for anyone who really wanted to see a big country show at Summerfest, this is a good alternative. And you mentioned a moment ago, Zach Brown Band perfect perennial just kind of just go out there all summer long you know they're going to do plenty and they're going to do two nights august 11th and 12th here at well work could be real tough sheltered me and if there's no one else to love keep me in mind yeah and zach brown typically bounces between alpine and summerfest yep. they did summerfest last year and i think they, they did summerfest the year before that so they were kind of overdue for an Alpine Valley show. Uh, and that band, I've seen them a, f- a couple times now. I mean, they, they really always deliver live. It's always, you know, it's a good mix of, you know, kind of sing-along country songs and then some really interesting jams and really interesting, unique, fresh covers. So just as a live band, it, it really brings it. 
Coming up next on Tapped In, we're going to talk about the history of this venue and some of the legendary performances that have happened in Alpine Valley and get into maybe what is the future of this southeastern Wisconsin amphitheater. That's all next on Tapped In. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and to Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out our donor benefits and the thank you gifts you can get to show off your 88.9 pride. Well, Piet, with 40 years of amazing, legendary performances here in southeastern Wisconsin, there's so many stories we could tell about Alpine Valley. You kind of blew my mind when we were talking about getting ready for the segment. You told me about the summer of 89, and I think we should start there because that summer you've got legend after legend after legend after legend performing here in Wisconsin. Yeah, and I think this really speaks to how, uh, what a venue this was. Mm. I mean, it, it was really nationally really well known, and back in the 80s there wasn't really a competition like it right. uh, in the Milwaukee or, or Chicago market. I mean, the, you might recall the Marcus Amphitheater didn't open until 1987. Precisely. Um, so in 89, I mean, you had in one summer at Alpine Valley in East Troy, Wisconsin, you had The Who that was there for multiple shows. Metallica was there. You had the Rolling Stones there. Wow. And you had the Grateful Dead there. And the Grateful Dead, with that um, run, they were ending across the 80s. They did 20 shows across the 80s. And the, those were like, I think, the final shows of those 80s. Right. Um, and the Grateful Dead was, is really, really well connected to Alpine Valley and has an extreme interesting history yeah, there. You, you've shared some really great stories about some legendary things that have happened here in southeast of Wisconsin with the Grateful Dead being at Alpine Valley. Yeah, so with the Dead, I mean, they, like I said, 20 shows there, and their, their popularity increased, 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 increased. Um, you know, in uh, 86, uh, they did shows there uh, June 28th, 29th, and there were like about a thousand parking spaces that were lost due to heavy rain, so there was backups that stretched up to six miles. Uh, the sergeant for the Walworth County Sheriff's Department said it was the worst traffic jam he's ever seen people were walking for for six miles to get to the venue but that was nothing compared to what happened in in uh in 88 where uh it was they had four shows there uh, across five days um and there was uh people that arrived on that first day and about a third of them didn't have a ticket what uh yeah so people were just showing up early the parking lots were totally packed deadheads were just partying all day long Thousands of fans had to like who actually had tickets. They had to park alongside roads in front of houses. I can imagine this too because you're just taking county highways, yeah. all the way to the venue. Yeah, and they had to walk up to four miles on foot. Wow. Uh, yeah, and so the the sheriff's deputies. I was looking back at archives. They were on site until three a.m. directing traffic. But uh, this is a quote from the sergeant at the time. He said, "Then we gave up. There was no end to it. <laughs> so the police were just like, we're out of here. We can't even <laughs> handle this anymore. Oh my gosh. Fans were sleeping like in the lots overnight, even though they weren't supposed." Do. Neighbors were complaining because people are sleeping in farm fields and woods in ditches. Uh, on the bright side, though, the fans were apparently pretty mellow. The sergeant said, "So you think? Uh, yeah." <laughs> so hey, man, we're just know, trying there, to get there's you only our about car, 20, Even though it was insane, there's only about 25 <laughs> arrests. So I guess that's a good thing. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I mean. There's just so many stories like that. And, you know, on the flip side, something that was probably a little less comical, certainly less comical, was Stevie Ray Vaughan played his last show there. Yeah, that that crash uh, is it's it's rock and roll legend. Yeah. And 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 I would dare say 
maybe and it's not it's not the a good reason to be known but that maybe is one of the things that makes alpine valley internationally known because yeah. stevie ray vaughn's fan base so deep and yeah this was his last performance yeah and that was a, a major tragedy in rock history was what happened there because he was 35 at the time yeah. he was newly sober he, the peak. yeah he was really on the cusp of, of stardom um, and you know he that night he jammed uh, for the finale. It was, it was Eric Clapton's tour. And yes. He was there jamming for uh, Sweet Home Chicago. It was him and Buddy Guy, Robert Cray, Jimmy Vaughn, his brother. And you know shortly after midnight, you know the helicopters left Alpine, but uh, you know apparently there was like a fog there. And and his his the the helicopter he was on with with several members of of Eric Clapton's close crew it, it crashed uh, into one of the slopes there and and uh, five people died. Yeah. Um. And again, it, it was he really is he's still really extremely well known and beloved and and this is a story of what could have been accomplished but he had still already at that point given yeah, so much so much uh, with his you know bluesy take on, on guitar work that that just continues to influence people all over the world to this day. Yeah, then we move into the 90s, which stayed very busy. Of course, the festival scene was changing. You know, Lollapalooza starts to pop up. Of course, Summerfest is evolving at this time during the 90s. I mean, I had many uh, important com- uh, concert experiences at Alpine Valley in the 90s. I think one of the ones that set the deepest for me was uh, the Tibetan Freedom Concert when the Beastie Boys were producing that show that I think only had three American performances, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, and then Alpine Valley, which yeah. on the global, if I got, remember I got the tour sheet t-shirt and the global button, it was Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they said. That was that was the Tibetan right. Freedom Concert Chicago, but it wasn't in Chicago. No. It was in East Troy, Wisconsin. Right, exactly. And that's what would happen is if if a place, if uh, Axe played Alpine Valley, they didn't play Chicago. That right. was the Chicago date. Uh, similarly, I remember seeing Coldplay. That was the first show I went to Alpine. That yep. was like 2005. Yep. Uh, it was just a massive show. I remember getting out of there was such a pain in the butt because I, <laughs> I, like, you know, I was a passenger in the car, basically falling asleep, just waiting to leave. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I remember Chris Martin says something like, this is the biggest show we've ever done in our lives. Uh, and, you know, it, at it, that point, it, it, was, it was. It was. Absolutely. It totally was. Uh, and, and you got to remember, too, I mean, even as recently as 2011, I mean, Alpine still had this... Um, historic kind of connotation yep. where Pearl Jam to celebrate uh you know for its PJ yes. 20 tour to celebrate the band's 20th anniversary uh you know it would have probably made a lot of sense if they did it in Seattle they chose Alpine Valley uh you know and it was a two day destination festival where there's a lot of really interesting performances by Pearl Jam interesting collaborations there was a, a Temple of the Dog reunion that yep. happened at that show yep. uh other guests include Queens of the Stone Age uh, Mud Honey was there uh the Strokes were there yep. um and yeah people came from all over the world to Alpine Valley for that very special show, which I think Cameron Crowe did a documentary on. That's right. Or at least That's was there right. to kind of help yes. film as well. I mean, this was like a big, big thing. A huge deal. Uh, and that was 2011. That wasn't that, that long ago. No. But Alpine Valley's fortunes certainly have changed. Right. And so we went dark last year. And yeah. at that time, I mean, I remember we talked about this. We had kind of thought, is this over? Is this the end of Alpine Valley? Uh, and we just talked in the last podcast about what is the future of the outdoor festival in Wisconsin? What is the future of the outdoor festival, period? And 
Is there a value proposition moving towards the future to say, hey, Alpine Valley is something special. It's something different. And how does that get turned into maybe a brighter future for Alpine Valley? That's a big question. And I think there's a big it's a big hill to climb. Absolutely. Um, you know, Alpine, uh, you know, even though it was the home to legends for it to be dark on its 40th anniversary was a pretty st- stunning thing. Uh, for fans, but it wasn't terribly shocking, uh, right. which, is, which I'm sad to say, because especially through the 2000s, um, the the attendance figures were dropping, the show numbers were dropping. Um, here's an example, like Dave Matthews Band, which which is one of the most frequent performers at Alpine yeah, in recent seen years. seen them there twice, I yeah, think. <laughs> they play there 2010. Uh, for those shows, they had 70,000 or 71,000 approximately concert goers there. Uh, and then back in 2015, you know, not that far removed from it, or 2016, I'm sorry, it was 40,000. I mean, they really, they, you know, they had, they shaved like 30,000 fans. That's a significant amount. Yeah. And what you've got is, I think, a lot more competition um, for tours and a yep. lot more options for consumers to go to big shows. Uh, you know, like we said, the Marcus Amphitheater opened in 87. That, you know, had its own shows outside Summerfest, but certainly during Summerfest, that brought in a lot of big names. Yep. Uh, and then in Chicago, you've got, uh, you know, the Tinley Park Amphitheater, mm-hmm. a Huntington Bank Pavilion kind of reconfigured a few years ago and can accommodate larger shows now uh, in Chicago. Lollapalooza is such a massive thing. Uh, Soldier Field has concerts. And I think what really killed Alpine last year was last year was Wrigley Field's biggest uh, summer ever for shows. Huge that was coming off of their historic World Series victory. Yep. I think a lot of acts were really excited about the possibility of playing at Wrigley Field yes. on the heels of such a historic thing. They had a ton of concerts, including like Zach Brown Band. Yep. Uh, you know, they played uh, Wrigley Field instead, and uh, Dead and Company also played Wrigley Field instead of doing Alpine, and that's and they just couldn't get anyone. And at this point in recent years, Alpine is really. Uh, largely endured or continued because of, of jam bands. Uh, you're seeing the same kind of acts playing there over and over yes. again that have these jam band followings or, or certain interesting cult followings like Jimmy Buffett, Dave, uh, Dave Matthews Band, uh, Dead & Company, Fish, Zach Brown Band. Those are kind of the five that you'll see kind of going in and yes. out of that venue. Yes. And it's pretty rare that they'll have anything beyond that. So my question for the future, and only time will tell, is Is Alpine Valley ready to move forward? Do they want to embrace the large EDM crowds that are more than willing to travel, as we've seen all over the state, to go see electronic music? Are they willing to embrace more of the younger pop side of ticket buying potential? I don't know. We'll have to see. Well, I think there's going to be challenges for that, though, because you've got a whole generation of audiences that don't really know what Alpine Valley is. Right. You know, there was an attempt um, within the last few years. Wiz Khalifa had a big hip hop tour. He booked a show. There was a show booked there at Alpine Valley with a lot of big hip hop names. It got canceled. Yes. Uh, because, you know, that's a big trek for hip hop fans to go out to, to East Troy, you know, especially when, you know, it's it's just easier, even though there's headaches to seeing shows in Chicago and there could be some in Milwaukee, too. I don't think it's great. Um, you know, those are more convenient to get to. And Alpine Valley hasn't had a lot of kind of fresh, younger talent to kind of get people right. going there. Right. Um, at the same time, it's also so it's it's more remote. So I think it's harder for people to get to. Might be harder for tours to get to when they have these more convenient options in urban environments, Wrigley Field, Soldier Field. Uh, right. The Summerfest is going to have a new amphitheater, too, which yep. will certainly be very appealing, I think, to tours and to audiences. Yeah, and impactful, too. Yeah, exactly. So, And Alpine is an older venue. Not only is it remote, it's an older venue. It, it can't really accommodate some... You mentioned pop EDM. Those are huge spectacles. Those are shows that rely a lot on massive production. And production is getting bigger and, and bigger, bigger yep. and bigger. Uh, can Alpine Valley really accommodate the production that you, you want to see at those kinds of shows? Uh, that's a big question. 
I was talking to Summerfest people um, recently for a story I'm working on, mm-hmm. and it's still early stages for the new amphitheater they're designing. But one of the things they're really seriously considering is raising the roof at that amphitheater right. to make bigger shows get to come in because they also get turned down by a lot of tours of that say it's just not big enough. Christina to- Aguilera has to fly through <laughs> the stage and we need more rigging. Yep, exactly. It's not big enough for, for the production yeah. demands of a lot of these shows. I mean, the new Bucks Arena, uh, it has like you know, more than twice the capacity of, of the weight it can carry for those big tours. Yep. It can handle more of those big tours. Uh, and same with the loading too. It, it just accommodates more of mm. that stuff coming in and yep. out smoother, faster. Alpine's, you know, it's out there. It's remote. It's older. You know, it was built for an era where we didn't have this, where we didn't expect this from our shows. Now we do. So I think there's some big, big challenges for the venue. Well, we engage you to get in the conversation with us as always. You can follow us on social media. All of our stuff is just at Radio Milwaukee. So if you're on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, wherever you want to hit us up, that's the way to go. But also, I mean, at JS Online, you guys can leave comments and give us your feedback there as well. Absolutely. And I've got a story coming up uh, at jsonline.com slash music about Alpine Valley, about it reopening. Um, you know, during the off year, they did do some renovations. It'll be right. interesting to see how that impacts things. They'll have they have more points of sale now, so there's probably more revenue opportunities for them. Uh, they've updated the, the the facility up at the top of the hill, so it'll be interesting to see what what fans think about. It. And uh, you know, bear in mind too, when it closed, there was a lot of uh, outpouring of support, absolutely, uh, and fans who were kind of were sad about the news because when you go to a show there, it still is, even though it's an older venue, it's out of the way. There are some headaches with that. It's a beautiful place. It's it a beautiful place to see a show. Um, I'm going to be, I'm excited to see Dead and Company there June 22nd. I'll have a review so you can come back and check for that. It is a special place to catch a concert. So we'll see if that love and, and the fact that it is special will help it get through uh, the challenges. Well, we invite you to share your memories, your comments, and maybe even your pictures with us here. Tapped In is produced by Tyrone Miller. Handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from our members. You can subscribe to this podcast at RadioMilwaukee.org, on iTunes, or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Piet, I'll see you next time for Tapped In. See you next time. See you next time.